Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yo Show, a real estate investment program. Listen and learn how to use real estate to build wealth and passive income streams for you and your family. We bring you experts every day to discuss and answer your questions on everything from single-family homes all the way up to 600-plus unit apartment complexes. And now, the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome to the show. This is Lynn Murrow. As always, we're working on your financial freedom. Listening to some real estate podcasts this week and reading some blogs, a theme developed. Many real estate investors struggle with their tenants. And we've all heard a horror story or two or three about tenants not paying rent, damaging the property, being difficult to evict, you know, just generally not the experience that real estate investors had hoped for when they entered the business. And yet those stories are few and far between among the members of Lifestyles Unlimited. Why is that? How come we have consistently better tenant experiences than other real estate investors? And today I'm going to share three of the tips for tenant screening that I learned from my mentors that have helped me have positive relationships with my tenants, create a win-win situation, and avoid many of the pitfalls that we hear about in these tenant horror stories. It is not a given that your property is going to be destroyed. It is not a given that your tenants are not going to pay their rent. It is not a given that you're going to have a constant struggle with tenants when you are a real estate investor. And this applies to single family properties as well as apartment communities. It is a relationship with people. And learning to navigate that relationship and learning to do it well will help you be more successful as a real estate investor and have a heck of a lot more fun than struggling with your tenants and spending your time in eviction court. And, and that's the goal. The goal from the moment you say hello is to create a relationship with your tenants and prospective tenants so that you can talk with them throughout their time in your property and as they're moving out. You can work with them, you can have an open communication where they understand your expectations and what they need to do and they're incentivized to meet them. And that's really what, what it is all about. And it begins with just some simple, consistent practices that if you do them over time will result in these positive relationships. But first I wanna give you the phone number in case you have a question, call 877 711-5211. That's 877-711-5211. Happy to answer your questions on tenant screening or anything else related to single family and apartment community buy and hold investing. My mentors, especially the founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Walmsley, spent a lot of time teaching me the discipline of tenant screening and the value of consistently enforcing the lease with kindness. The first thing I learned, and my first tip for you, is create your own tenant selection criteria. 
It should be specific to your property and the submarket. Don't use standard forms without customizing them, and don't use standard forms that you haven't read, because your tenant selection criteria is important for establishing the expectations of who is going to apply to rent your property and who is eventually going to be living in your rental property. So some key things that you need to think about when you're creating your tenant selection criteria is some of the standards. What's your credit minimum? Are you going to have a minimum credit score? And think about why. Part of this has to do with the economy and what cycle we're in, right? Because when you choose to be a real estate investor, you're choosing to be a real estate investor for life. And a few of these things in your tenant selection criteria might change depending on what's going on in the economy and what's going on in the world. What is an example of that? Uh, back in the crash, I realized that screening tenants on credit score and requiring a credit score, I think at the time my tenant selection criteria required a 680 credit score, which is a pretty good credit score. With a 680 credit score, you're able to buy property. But as people were losing their homes, they were sliding into bankruptcy after losing their jobs, that credit score became rare. And I realized that we had incredible people out there who were unfortunate, had lost their jobs due to downsizing. They had then lost their home because they were li living a little too hand to mouth in order to bridge that gap. But they were great people. They were used to paying their bills. They were used to maintaining a home. They had, you know, leaf blowers and lawn mowers and edgers and trash cans and clippers and everything they needed to maintain that home and they knew how to do it. And I found that by lowering my requirement for minimum credit score, I was able to get those terrific people in my homes and some of them are still in my rentals today. And that is an important thing to be in touch with what is going on in the market. Because if you require, for instance, a, a 750 uh, credit score, I, I talked with um, a real estate investor the other day who was so worried about the quality of their tenants that they had done that. And it had been several weeks that their property had been on the market and they still did not have uh, enough applications to choose a tenant that met all of their tenant criteria. That is a critical piece to consider. So your credit minimum is probably going to be somewhere south of 680. It's probably going to be, though, above 500 and you have you may want to leave yourself the opportunity uh, by putting a little asterisk next to that that certain things can be considered now we have a move to remove medical debts from credit scores and that will help an awful lot a lot of our rental pool are suffering low credit because of medical related bills that have gone unpaid and have gone to collections and have destroyed their credit so we'll talk a little bit uh, later in the show about sorting through credit reports and what you're looking for. But to establish your credit minimum, have a criteria for it, establish a credit minimum if you want that in your tenant criteria. An important thing for you to have in every tenant criteria is income to rent minimum ratios. You want to make sure that your tenants are going to be able to either individually or as a family meet their rent every month and they're going to have to have a income that establishes that they are capable of doing that. 
I've seen people use two times the rent. I think 50% in rent in this market where we have high employment rates, we have people who have moved into better jobs over the past several years. I think in this market cycle that we are really should be looking at three times income, uh, rent for income. So if you take your, your desired rent, multiply that by three, that should be their minimum income that they can prove to you. So that would be my recommendation. But again, you're going to look at the market. You're going to look at different different aspects of your submarket, and you're going to come up with a rent-to-income ratio that works for you. But it needs to be at least two times, and I want you to consider three times rent as your minimum income requirements. Then criminal history. You've heard a lot about this recently, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it because I think it's really important to understand as a landlord what you can and cannot do based on what's called disparate impact. And you may or may not have heard that term. It's been in the news a lot uh, last year, a little bit the beginning of this year. Haven't heard a whole lot about it recently. And there is a lot of talk about refining these rules because they've had some unintended consequences. But the concept of disparate impact is that you can, for instance, have a blanket tenant selection criteria that says you will not accept any criminal convictions at all. So no matter how long ago it was, no matter what they were convicted of, you will not accept them in your property. Unfortunately, we are reaching a period of time for a variety of reasons, which would be a whole show all by itself, of why more people today have criminal records than ever before. Um, a lot of it has to do with policing in schools and what is happening to our young people, uh, things that would have just simply been... Um, handled at the school level and discipline there now become uh, legal issues for courts and is resulting in people coming out of high school with criminal records at an alarming rate. So disparate impact says that there are certain segments of our society that are impacted more by these blanket criteria than others. And as a result, it is having an unfair impact on some protected classes that needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed by landlords and also by the governing bodies uh, that are, are legislating our landlord-tenant laws. So what do we do as landlords? Well, this doesn't mean that you cannot screen for criminal convictions, and it doesn't mean that you can't have something in your criteria, but it needs to be specific. So rather than what we've traditionally had is a blanket, criminal convictions are out, don't bother to apply if you have them, we're going to name some specific things that we have reason to believe uh, would impact the neighborhood and our property if we were to allow those tenants into our property. So what am I talking about? Crimes against people. Uh, most of us are renting... Uh, 322s and 422 properties, and they're in neighborhoods with families. They're you know, probably going to be rented by, by families, and we need to be aware of what we're doing to the neighborhoods in which we have rental properties. And when I come back in just a moment, we're going to talk more about disparate impact, really understand it, and finish up the first tip on three helpful tips for tenant screening, which is a solid tenant selection criteria. 
You're listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. I'm Lynn Murrow, and we will be right back. If you want to get on the line, give us a call at 877-711-5211. That's 877-711-5211. Stay right here. Top 1370. Welcome back to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. This is Lynn Murrow. Today we're providing a more effective roadmap to your financial freedom with three helpful tips for tenant screening. We are talking about our first tip, create your own tenant selection criteria specific to your property and the sub-market. And I'm encouraging you not to use standard forms, or if you do, to make sure you customize them so that they have the terms and conditions that you need to select the tenants for your property. If you have a question, go ahead and give me a call, 877-711-5211. That's 877-711-5211. Can't call right now or too shy to talk to me on the radio? You can email your questions to asklynn, that's asklynn, L-Y-N-N, at L-U-I-N-C dot com. Asklynn at L-U-I-N-C dot com. We were talking about a concept called disparate impact when we went to the last break, and that has affected landlords' tenant selection criteria. Although you should no longer use a blanket criteria, rejecting anyone with a criminal background, uh, you can list some specific criteria that are important for the operation of your property. So the idea here is, is that replacing this blanket tenant criteria that says if you have a criminal background you may not rent this property you are going to have specific reasons why you are choosing to eliminate people with certain criminal convictions and we're talking about convictions here if someone has been arrested but has not been convicted that is not something that you can consider uh, that's a very important part of the disparate uh, impact conversation so we're talking solely about convictions here and the ones that I believe you should and can still put in your tenant selection criteria, especially because here, here in Texas, we are renting properties. Typically, there are three, two, two, which means three bedroom, two bath, two car garages, maybe four bedrooms, and they're, they're in neighborhoods. And we have, you know, families living you know, next door to our rental properties. And we want to make sure that we are a good neighbor, a good citizen as a landlord, so that our neighbors have a great relationship with us as well, will tell us what's going on on the property, will tell their friends and family about our property and be willing to help us get it rented when it, it, it turns over. So I think some reasonable criteria are violent crimes against other people. I think a criminal conviction for a violent crime against other people is something that you can and should list in your tenant criteria is something that you will not have in your property. Crimes against children, especially if your property is listed near a school. So sex offenders uh, are something that, you know, that is a crime, that if they've been convicted of that crime, you need to consider putting that in your tenant selection criteria. What might be some other things that affect you as a landlord. 
um, uh, destroying property might be one. If they've been convicted for uh, starting fires, if they've been convicted for tearing up another landlord's property, and they've been convicted for uh, vandalism, those are the types of things that you might be looking for in your tenant selection criteria to make sure that the person you put in your property has a high probability of successfully being able to follow the lease and comply with it. When you're putting together your tenant selection criteria, uh, you also want to consider the number of people per room and the number of vehicles. And depending on your property, if it's in an HOA, if there's other requirements, you might have a, uh, for instance, I have a, a had a rental that was a 1960s property with very small bedrooms. Uh, two children would be the maximum in any of those rooms, and so that set the maximum for the household. Uh, I have had properties with HOA rules that do not allow uh, cars to be parked on the street. So all of the family vehicles have to fit in the garage or in the driveway. So if someone has more vehicles than then will fit, then this isn't going to be a good rental for them because they're not going to be able to stay in compliance with the HOA. Uh, some HOAs do not allow work trucks to be parked out in front of the property. So these are the types of things to have in your tenant selection criteria. The last tip I want to tell you about tenant selection criteria is that if you're asking for a social security number, you need to have a privacy policy as well that you give them at the same time. If they're logging into a service you're going to use, then that service will have the privacy policy right there with it. This is Lynn Murrow on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. In just a few minutes, we'll move on to tip two on tenant screening, which gives you the information you need to know about your prospective tenants. If you have a question, get on the line now, 877-711-5211. That's 877-711-5211. Stay right here. Talk 1370. I'm so glad you're with us on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. This is Lynn Murrow. Today we're reviewing three helpful tips for tenant screening. And these are tips passed down to me from my mentors, and I hope that they'll help you create a positive relationship with your tenants as the basis of a long-term win-win relationship. We've covered the first tip, create your own tenant selection criteria, and now we're moving on to the second tip. Your rental application should give you the information you need and be easy to complete. You think, yeah, that sounds basic, right? But what do most landlords do? They go find some standard form, and if they're printing it out, it's way too small for anybody to write any significant information in there. They can hardly even get their name in the space, and uh, you end up with a handwritten application that's uh, difficult to read and often doesn't have all of the information on it that you really need in order to make your decision of tenant for your property. You also have uh, some choices to make here of whether you're going to take applications online or whether you're going to do them the traditional way, which is meeting people out at the property and providing them with a paper copy to fill out on site. And years ago, that was our preferred method. You'd meet them out on the property. You'd schedule a group time for people to come. You would have clipboards 
pencils and paper, you know, and or pens and paper, and uh, you would have them come prepared. You'd tell them to bring a copy of their, their driver's license and social social security card uh, to have all the information that they needed to fill that out. Now, most landlords that I talk to are either bringing up their own online website or using an online portal where that application is filled out online. Obviously, that provides uh, an opportunity for uh, getting all of the information that you need, but you still want to make sure you take a look at those forms and that they are comprehensive because it is time-consuming to go back out and you're tempted to just operate without the information if you don't collect it in the initial application. So what kinds of things are we looking for? You know, uh, you want a separate application. The first thing is you must have a separate application for all prospective residents that are 18 years old and above. You are, we're going to get to tip number three in just a little bit, where we're going to talk about background checks. But you want to have the information, anybody 18 years and older. You also want to make sure that there's a place for them to put residents that are under the age of 18 and list out their full name and birth dates so that you have a record of everyone who would be living in the property. You want to make sure that you're not asking questions that could lead to charges of discrimination. Uh, so, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're not, whether it's in your application or in your conversations with them, that you're not asking about their race, you're not asking them their religion, you're not asking them their sexual orientation or their family status. And as a landlord, none of that really matters. So you need to stick to the things that you really need to know. And what are those? Getting full information on their previous addresses is critical. Whatever form you're using should allow them to put multiple addresses in there. It should allow them to add additional ones at the end or have some way of, online forms are great because typically you can just say add a new address, add a new address, add a new address. Some of these people have moved around and you want to know everywhere they've lived. The other thing that you want to get is full information on their employer. How long have they been there? What is their job title? Who is their supervisor? Where is their company headquartered? And what is the address and phone number there? Where do they actually work? And what is the address and phone number there? Who is the name and phone number and contact title for the person who will verify their employment, length of employment, and how much they make? The critical information for you to decide whether they meet your tenant selection criteria. Right? And then you want to make sure that you're getting back information that's legible and completely filled out. If you're using online forms, the, in my opinion, the, the best thing you can use is an online form that doesn't allow them to skip fields. There are certain required fields that they cannot continue to the next page if they don't fill them out. So right, you want their, their full name, their address, their contact information, both email and phone number, but you also need to have that employer information and previous address information. So we'll be back to wrap up this tip number two and move on to tip number three for tenant screening, which is about your credit and criminal check in just a moment. If you want to learn more about Lifestyles Unlimited and our real estate education and mentoring programs, call us at 866-945-6565. That's 866-945-6565 or go to lifestylesunlimited.com to register for our free workshop. And I'll be right back in just a moment with more on helpful tips 
for tenant screening. Talk 1370. We're back with the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. This is Lynn Murrow, and today we're working on your financial freedom with three helpful tips for tenant screening. We've covered the first tip, create your own tenant selection criteria. Don't use those standard forms out there without highly customizing them to make sure that all of your requirements for potential tenants are in your tenant selection criteria. And we briefly men mentioned the fact that if you're going to be asking for social security numbers, which you need to do for tip number three that we're going to cover in just a minute, uh, you need to have a privacy policy as well. If you're using an online service, then they will probably be providing that privacy policy, but you need to check and make sure. Then our second tip that we were talking about just before the break is about your rental application. It should give you the information you need. It, it should be co easy to complete for your prospective tenants. And you need the completed application from everyone 18 years and older who will live in the home. You need to know who the other residents who are under 18 will be, their full names and birth dates. And you have to have that information about every place that they've lived and where they're working so that you can verify both their their previous addresses and their employment. And it's really important to do this. So when they say that they lived at ABC Apartment Building in uh, San Antonio, you want to make sure that you go out and Google ABC Apartment Building in San Antonio and you pick up the contact information off of the Internet rather than relying just on the information provided in the application. And it's the same with verifying their job. Uh, unfortunately, people run all kinds of scams uh, against landlords. Being able to rent a property is critical for people, right? They need a roof over their head, whether it's a single family home or living in an apartment community. And if they have done things that make it difficult for them to do that, there is a temptation for them to do things like um, get uh, one of their good friends and use their phone number and tell them who the name of the person that someone will be asking for and having them provide the reference, having them provide the information on how long uh, the prospective tenant has been employed and what they make. And you don't want to fall prey to that. So it is important that either you or whatever company or realtor you're hiring to screen your tenants goes out and verifies independently the contact information for previous landlords and places that they've lived and their current employer because it, you have to get good information. So when you're going out, you're going to go as far back as you can on the, uh, the landlords. And most people are not going to tell you a whole lot, but they probably will tell you if they've had to evict uh, this prospective tenant or if they have had other issues with them, like um, you know, a lot of police calls out to the property and things like that. Those are things that are truthful that they can say about the tenant without getting into any legal issues. And most landlords desire to help other landlords. At the same time, they'll also tell you if this has been an amazing tenant. 
and they will tell you if they have gone you know over the top uh, I've had several landlords tell me that the tenant has left the property in better condition than it was in when they moved in maybe they went and added some nice landscaping or you know just really took care and cleaned up the property when maybe the landlord didn't do what we teach at lifestyles and they didn't turn the property over in excellent condition so those are you know that's the the positive side of this coin with employment, employers are going to limit what their information they're going to give you to um, the hire date, the current status of the employee, and the employee's pay rate. And they are probably going to require that you provide the prospective tenant's signature authorizing them to release that information. So they may ask you to uh, email over, scan over, or sometimes fax over uh, that permission, which should be given within the application itself. If it isn't, then you'll need a separate form that is that they sign that gives you the permission to get this information from their employer. And, you know, we always ask, you know, their prospects of continued employment, but you really, that's hard for an employer to do and you'll get a, a variety of answers there. So that wraps up our second tip and that is making sure your rental application is easy for them to fill out and easy for them to access and you get all the information that you need. In just a few moments, we're going to be back and we're going to talk about the third tip for tenant screening. And this is an important one. This has to do with that credit and criminal check. So stay right here. You don't want to miss out. You're listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. This is Lynn Murrow. Talk 1370. back with the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. This is Lynn Murrow, and today we're working on your financial freedom with three helpful tips for tenant screening. We've talked about your tenant selection criteria, and we mentioned your privacy policy as well. And then we talked about your application, the need to collect all the information you need, make sure it's easy to access for your potential tenants, and it's easy to fill out. And we went through what you need to collect and how you're going to check on some of that information. And so tip three is to always do a nationwide credit and criminal background check on everyone 18 years or older living in the home or apartment unit that you're renting. And this is a step that is, believe it or not, often I would say overlooked, but it's not overlooked. People intentionally don't do it. And I learned this several years ago when I was renting several properties at one time, had a lot of advertisements out, and I was emphasizing to potential tenants, I am going to do a credit and criminal background check. If you don't meet the tenant selection criteria, don't give me your money because you won't get it back and you won't get to rent the property. And if you know you're, something's going to come up on that, talk to me about it now. Explain it now. And they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. So they would give me, I think it was $35 a person 
and maybe there would be, you know, uh, two adults and, and one or two uh, children 18 years or older in the property. So that's not an insignificant amount of money for a, a renter. And they would turn that over and up would come all of the stuff, evictions and criminal convictions and all these things on their, their background. And I would just call them back and say, you know, hey, I told you that if you weren't going to meet my tenant selection criteria to not give me your money. And the answer I got back from them is, we didn't think you were going to do it. And I found out that I was actually emphasizing it so much that I was convincing them that I wasn't going to do that. And I guess this is a pattern that landlords have. And of course, they know you're not doing the check because you're not coming back and asking them about these evictions, asking them about the addresses that showed up on their credit report that don't show up on their application. So that's what you're looking for. When you get this information back, you're gonna get their previous addresses. Does that match what you have on the application? Or there's some that are missing. Typically that's how it works. There's a couple that are missing from the application. And those are the ones you wanna call first because those are the ones that probably had the evictions or they caused damage on the way out or they had a lot of police action at the property that was a problem. So that's the first thing you wanna do is reach out to the prospective tenant and say, hey, did you miss some things here? And if so, why? And then that would be my first call. Then the, uh, the other thing that you're looking for, of course, is that criminal history. And we, we talked about disparate impact earlier in the show and what you need to do in your tenant selection criteria, which is be very specific about what you're looking for in criminal history and why. And that way you are out there with it. They know exactly what you're looking for. And oftentimes people who have had some, some momentary issue in their life that maybe it's in the past, you know, maybe they got arrested and they had a criminal conviction for, you know, possession of marijuana when they were 18 years old, they're now 58 and they've had nothing since. Okay, they can tell you about that. That was a long time ago. For me, I would completely ignore that. That would be an example of a criminal conviction I would completely ignore for two reasons, the nature of the conviction itself and also um, just how long ago it was. So as a landlord, these are the types of things that you're, you're looking for. Don't skip this step. And I recommend that you do a nationwide criminal background check. It's a little bit more expensive typically for from the screening services, but not enough to be cost prohibitive. And your applicant is paying for that background check. And I think people are so mobile these days that that it's really helpful to, to do that. And I know that my mentors always emphasize that. That's how I learned. It's what I've always done. And, and I really appreciate my mentors telling me the whys behind it. And that's the reason for the show today and, and these three helpful tips for tenant screening is that there isn't a lot of information out there on the whys behind it. And the whys behind it and understanding the whys behind it is what will help us to remember to do things, right? And when you do this, you now can choose a tenant that you can work with that you're going to be comfortable having in your home, that's going to be a good neighbor to your neighbors. And you're establishing the foundation for a win-win positive relationship that should result in 
great tenant relations throughout their time in the property and a happy move out and your ability to turn the property quickly because the property is in good condition when they leave. And that's our goal as landlords. So good tenant screening allows you to create the wealth and passive income, that capital and cash flow you need to live the life you desire for you and your family. Create a more effective roadmap to your financial future. Call us at 866-945-6565. That's 866-945-6565 to get started or visit lifestylesunlimited.com to register for our free workshop. Our time on today's show has come to an end. Fortunately, you can find us on the air every day of the week and enjoy our podcast on that website too, lifestylesunlimited.com. Remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, investing, or tax advice. Results may vary. Always consult a professional before making any financial decisions. If you'd like to find out more about the mentoring available at Lifestyles Unlimited, please visit them online at lifestylesunlimited.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.